Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From the pages of The New Yorker, this is the weekly comment podcast. In Indicted, Amy Davidson Sorkin writes about Robert Mueller's distinctly American indictments. Robert Mueller, the special counsel investigating possible Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election, has lately been moving so fast that it is becoming difficult to keep track of the intricate levels of deception and self-deception described in the indictments that he brings. Last Thursday, Mueller charged Paul Manafort, Donald Trump's former campaign chairman, with a multi-million dollar fraud related to, of all things, mortgages. The indictment also names Manafort's associate, Rick Gates, the former deputy campaign chair. Both men had earlier been charged with laundering millions of dollars that they had collected as lobbyists for the government of Ukraine and had said that they would fight the charges. By Friday, though, Gates had pleaded guilty to two counts, conspiracy with regard to the financial crimes and lying to investigators a lie that he had apparently told, recklessly enough, in prior plea talks. And prosecutors had unsealed a revised indictment, directed this time only at Manafort. Just a few days earlier, a former attorney at the law firm Scotton Arps pleaded guilty to lying to investigators about conversations he had had with Gates regarding work that the firm did for Ukraine. The week before that, Mueller indicted 13 Russian nationals on charges related to their involvement in the Internet Research Agency, a social media mill, alleging that it used illegal means to promote Trump's candidacy. Its efforts included buying ads on social media and digitally impersonating Trump supporters in Florida and blacktivists. Michael Flynn, the president's former national security advisor, had already pleaded guilty to lying to investigators. He was also in legal jeopardy because of his work as an unregistered foreign lobbyist and is now cooperating with the investigation. So is George Papadopoulos, a former campaign advisor who pleaded guilty to lying about his foreign contacts. None of the charges so far directly address whether the Trump campaign knowingly colluded with the Russians or whether the president himself obstructed justice. The list of people who are cooperating, however, suggests that Mueller may be getting close on both points, particularly if Manafort joins them. As campaign chairman, he sat in on the now-famous June 9, 2016 Trump Tower meeting with Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and a Russian lawyer who had offered dirt on the Clinton campaign. Manafort left the campaign two months later, but Gates stayed on through the election— and may therefore have much more to tell. But for all the talk of Kremlin puppetry and intelligence operations, the heart of the offenses that Mueller has laid out involves the normal aspects of American politics, particularly the opacity of campaign finance and the startling sums involved. When Nate Silver of 538 looked at the issue of whether the Russian efforts had swung the election for Trump, he hesitated over the question of scale. According to the indictment, the Internet Research Agency had at one point budgeted $1.2 million a month, spread among a number of countries it was targeting. The reported spending by the Trump campaign and associated PACs was $617 million. For the Clinton campaign and associated PACs, it was $1.2 billion. 
and the Russian effort echoed themes that were already a factor in the election. The Internet Research Agency allegedly paid someone to dress up as Clinton in a prison uniform. The Trump campaign sold Clinton for prison gear on its website, and American PACs have been paying for ads calling her a criminal since the time of her husband's administration. Which way did the influence run? In some respects, though, there were more ways to hold the Russians accountable than their domestic competitors. It is illegal for foreign nationals, aside from green card holders, to give money to or spend money on American electoral campaigns. That is why Mueller was able to charge the 13 Russians with perpetrating a conspiracy to defraud the Federal Election Commission. Bob Bauer, who served as White House counsel under Barack Obama, noted in a piece for JustSecurity.org that the Supreme Court has upheld campaign finance restrictions on foreigners because of the importance of citizenship in preserving the basic conception of a political community. Yet the justices have been far more lax when it comes to corporate and independent group spending. The 2010 decision in Citizens United and in cases that followed has yielded a glut of dark money. As a result, we've come to expect that ads, even for candidates we like, will be paid for by groups with vague names that give no real clue as to who is behind them. Our curiosity has been numbed, even as our political imagination has been frazzled by the endless conspiracy theories that such organizations push. Specific measures to increase transparency, like better screening of advertisers by Facebook and Twitter's recent purge of bots, might help. Larger measures, such as promoting digital literacy and civics education, take time. But while social media and bots are the engine, money is the fuel. And there isn't likely to be a real solution to that without comprehensive campaign finance reform. The crassness of the dealings documented in the Mueller indictments reflects a political culture in which foreign countries, as well as Americans, routinely pay millions to influence politicians, whether through lobbying firms or PACs. Meanwhile, it wouldn't be surprising if, in the 2020 election, some super PACs referred to the Mueller indictment as a guide for using social media to organize fake grassroots initiatives. Another observation one can make, reading the indictments, is that Trump has not surrounded himself with the best people. The bots are not the only ones who come across as preposterous impostors. How did Manafort manage to pass himself off as the adult in the room in a major party's presidential campaign? How did Gates hang on in Trump's orbit, even after Manafort was pushed out? How was Papadopoulos given a seat at high-level meetings? How was Flynn seen as a prudent advisor on matters of national security? Then there is Trump himself. But he is a distinctly American problem. Dealing with the Russians may be the easy part. That was Indicted by Amy Davidson Sorkin from The New Yorker magazine, March 5, 2018. Narrated by Jamie Rennell. Also in the magazine this week, Mike Spies on the gun lobby in Florida. John McPhee on Bears. Tad Friend on Donald Glover. John Lee Anderson on the afterlife of Pablo Escobar. Hilton Alls on Tiffany Haddish. Kalefa Sene on Jordan Peterson. Laura Miller on Uzola de Maye Walla's Speak No Evil. Peter Sheldahl on the New Museum's Triennial. Hua Su on U.S. Girls, 
fiction by Nicole Krauss, and more. Audible.com produces a weekly audio edition of The New Yorker. To subscribe or to download individual issues, we invite you to go to www.audible.com and enter New Yorker in the search box. To subscribe to the comment podcast, go to www.newyorker.com or to the New Yorker room on the iTunes store.